This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. Hello, and welcome to our monthly cover CD podcast, in which we take a brief look at the works on the disc that accompanies the latest issue of BBC Music Magazine. I'm Jeremy Pound, the magazine's deputy editor... And with me today is our reviews editor, Rebecca Franks. Hello. We're going to be discussing our October issue CD of works by Brahms, the Third Symphony, the Schickshauslied, and rounding things off, the St. Anthony Variations. We'll start our listening at the beginning of the disc. Here is the opening of the first movement of Brahms's Symphony No. 3. It is played on our cover CD by the BBC Philharmonic, conducted by Gian-Andrea Nozeda. Remarkably, within the very first three notes, F, A-flat, F, 
Brahms has already told us a lot about himself at the time of writing the Third Symphony in the summer of 1883. Can you explain the significance of that three-note motif to us, Rebecca? Yes, those three notes are like a personalised calling card from Brahms. So F, A-flat, F stands for Fry Arbor Fro, which means free but happy. And the story goes that this was Brahms's take or response on a, a similar but tellingly different motto thought up at an earlier stage by his friend, the great virtuoso violinist Joseph Joachim, who went for Frei aber einsam, meaning free but alone. Um, and at this boy, point, when, when Brahms was writing the symphony, he was, he was 50 and he was a bachelor and he was free, but he was happy. Excellent. However, for all the feel-good factor of the first movement, the emotional heart of the third symphony arguably lies in its third movement, I'd suggest, where the composer seems to be telling us a slightly different story. Here is the beginning. For me, this is such powerful writing. The music kind of threatens to develop into a lyrical lament, but never actually quite does so, does it? This is classic Brahms here, isn't it, Rebecca? Always ever so slightly emotionally buttoned up. Yes, I mean, this idea of Brahms being in some senses a kind of inhibited or or buttoned up composer is quite often really seen as a criticism, but I don't really hear his music like that at all. Instead, to me, he explores the full complexity of of emotion and understands that sometimes feelings aren't really clear-cut and with happiness there might be melancholy or sadness might be tinged with hope. Um, When the Boston Symphony Orchestra first performed this symphony in 1884, it's reported that hundreds of people left the hall and our booklet note writer, Terry Blaine, suggests that perhaps this was thanks to the, the equivocal mood of the symphony. And for me, this kind of emotional subtlety um, really is what makes the music great. Absolutely. Sybil in Faulty Towers may have infamously described Brahms's third as a racket, but I, I like yourself, beg to differ. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next on the October issue cover CD, meanwhile, we head back 15 years and from orchestral music to choral music. This is the beginning of the Allegro section of the Schicksal's lead which Brahms began in 1868, but didn't get round to finishing until 1873. Our cover CD performance of Brahms's Schicksal's Lied, heard there, is by the BBC National Orchestra and Chorus of Wales under Grant Llewellyn. One of Brahms's most accomplished choral works, it sets words by German Romantic poet Friedrich Hürdelin. They're not exactly a bundle of laughs, though, are they? 
No, well, we start off in this rather lovely fashion with descriptions of luminous heaven breezes and wakening harp strings and unopened blossoms flowering. But in that passage that we've just heard, this chill wind sort of blows through this peaceful vision and suddenly we're hearing about poor suffering mortals who are staggering blindly in search for a rest. And although we do get a return of this optimistic sort of orchestral prelude at the end, it, it leaves things on a happier note. There is that sense of, of the darkness um, in the middle that's the heart of it. And that passage we actually heard there is where the music changes in character from this, this heavenly kind of scenario. It's actually reminiscent of parts of the, of the German Requiem from later on um, to yeah. that very dark moment, as you suggest. Well, let's finish off with something a little jollier then. The final work on our October cover CD is 1873's St. Anthony Variations, also known as Variations on a Theme by Haydn. Can you tell us about said theme, Rebecca? Yeah, this is a short theme that Brahms found in a set of six divertimentos for wind instruments, and at the time they were um, thought to be by Haydn, although it was later established that probably this wasn't the case, hence the two two titles. Anyway, Brahms chose this St. Anthony Chorale, which was a slow movement of one of the divertimentos, and it's quite a short theme, and here he scores it for wind and brass, which presumably was quite similar to how it appears in the original, and then he go- then goes on to vary it in this really brilliant fashion over the eight variations. And so to play us out, here we have one of said variations, the Vivace Number no. 6 played on our CD by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Martin Brabins. We'll be back next month with another cover CD podcast in which we discuss symphonies by Schubert and Schumann. In the meantime, cue Brahms. for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.